Hello, hello, folks. Welcome again to another edition here of Mind of Magnus on WRFZ LP Rochester, Rochester Free Radio, and uh, RochesterFreeRadio.com. I, uh, there you go. Thank you so much. Perfect. <laughs> um, so, yay, yay. Thank you. Uh, thanks again for George for uh, playing me out this time. And uh, I have to apologize right away to those, uh, unfortunately, won't be able to hear this, those who uh, listen to me normally online. Uh, unfortunately, our, uh, we have technical problems here tonight. Apparently, the internet is not good in uh, various parts of Rochester, this studio being one of them. So, unfortunately, those who uh, normally listen to me online will uh, not be able to uh, to listen in today, which is kind of a bum. Definitely a bummer. Uh, we've been getting a lot more listeners online, actually, uh, to those on RochesterFreeRadio.com have been uh, pretty awesome. I've uh, been writing me in, saying they've been listening to on their phones. I have... Uh, some of the lovely uh, cleaning crew and a couple of buildings here actually have been apparently picking up and listening to me on Monday nights and joining me. And uh, then uh, so but unfortunately tonight the show will be archived. So uh, fear not uh, those listening, uh, you know, tuning in now live uh, via the uh, car radio, wherever radio you may have in your house. We'll get this. But unfortunately, technology will not let us have too much fun with uh, you know, broadcasting on the Web. So, of course, you have to change stuff around how life has been going. So we are back here now for another edition here of Mind of Magnus. I think this is episode 34, if I remember right. Uh, it could be 35. I never know. I'm never good with numbers. But uh, thanks for tuning in again to me. All you lovely p- folks who have been writing me this past week, offering me some great guest ideas. Thank you so much. I am uh, definitely already wrote to all of them already. I'm going to write to some more. And, you know, the schedule has been uh, booking up pretty well. We have uh, have a few months worth of people already wanting to come on the show. So I got to thank you all for doing that. Um, I can't do it without you guys. This station can't do it without you guys either. This is my uh, like fun drive uh, pledge at the moment here for this one. Uh, if you are listening to my voice right now and having fun doing so, if you tune in all the time, uh, we have a Patreon here at uh, Rock Free Radio. And uh, I'm not a person who likes to ask for cash. I can't do it for myself at all. But I will do it for something that's worthwhile, something like uh, Rock Free Radio. RockFreeRadio.com is uh, full of just a lot of talented, crazy, cool people. Uh, emphasis on crazy, uh, and we uh, we're just a team of people making some good good stuff happen from uh, talk shows to uh, playing music to everything like this. And we can't do it and can't keep the lights on here without having a little bit of help from the listening audience. If you notice, there's not a lot of commercials during this whole thing. I don't uh, suddenly break into a, a a ditty for pizza. I mean, I do myself naturally, but not commercial wise. But um, I uh, I want to say if you guys are listening and enjoying this, uh, a few bucks a month. Will go far if you uh, and the best thing is I always offer if you guys become a Patreon member and uh, follow us and toss some cash to the uh, to the, uh, the the station here. Let me know. Let's you know send a picture, send a, a screen capture of it or something else, whatever you want to do to help prove it. I guess, and I will gladly treat you, lovely folks, to a some beer and meatballs with me, which I always do every time. I always offer out these uh, little fun things for my uh, the the listeners here. Um. But, uh, yeah, if you're a Patreon, you know, put some money this way. We definitely, you'll be my new best friend and I'll come out and treat you. So instantly, if you put a couple bucks in, you'll get at least that bucks out when beer and pizza out of me anyway. So, or beer and meatballs, whatever you want to do. So back to the topic at hand and this radio show I've been doing. So the mind of Magnus, if you're a first time listener, uh, uh, this show is kind of a little extrapolation uh, of who I am as a person. I am a person that enjoys to learn weird, bizarre things and regurgitate them on my social media, usually on Fridays to keep my sanity sake. And uh, the other part of my scenario, uh, the person that kind of makes me me, is that 
I have this uh, fun little trait that I like to uh, meet meet new people. I have a goal every day to meet someone new. I have a goal to learn something different every day. And this radio station here allows me to uh, at least showcase that one part off by uh, bringing the cool people I've met on. Now, today's guest is going to be another one that I got a kick out of and I just had to share with you guys. And uh, I met my guest actually by him coming up and saying hello to me because I actually told the entire audience of uh, TEDx Rochester when I gave a talk to him that uh, I wanted everyone to come up and say hello to me. I have a giant illustration of my head behind me and I pointed at me and said, come on up and say hi, which everyone did. And I was super happy. Mind you, I probably should have said come up after I finished my lunch and say hi. Because after my uh, my talk, I actually happened to have the lunch break, you know, the two-hour lunch break to communicate and chat. And Actually, that was the reason why I was given the talk. I was supposed to help inspire the people to mingle be- between uh, between talk sessions. And uh, and did, it worked well. I uh, We actually figured out one time it took me two and a half hours to walk, I think it was uh, 35, 40 feet, because everyone kept saying hello to me. And I had a blast doing it. But in this process, I actually uh, crossed paths with this guy that uh, was not just excited to introduce himself to me, but he was telling about things he's working on and, and just, he gave off an energy about him. Uh, if you're a person that kind of picks up on vibes, I, I tend to be myself. If you are that type of person like me, he, uh, this, my guest here tonight, uh, gave off just, there's a creativity coming off him in waves and, uh, a good eye for things too. And, uh, fast forward. So this was TEDx Rochester, the first time I met him. Uh, the next week later, I think it was a mini makers fair. And, uh, I happened to bump into uh, a random person and was talking about giving a TED talk. And all of a sudden, they'd come to find out it was a coworker that actually had, uh, was, uh, uh, my, my guest had informed her that, uh, uh, to reach out and say hello to me as well. So this, uh, he's one of the people that has caused the ripples out there to help, uh, connect people and, uh, make people come out and meet and say hi. So my guest tonight is, uh, Tristan Thomaselli and a creative writer, a just, just uh, someone that I enjoy chatting with. Uh, luckily, he's been joining me for some bad movies here and here and there, and uh, watching him helping helping me dissect a bad film with a creative eye is perfect. So, my uh, 2017 year has been I've been bringing out a lot of good guests for uh, to help inspire. My first couple of guests were people that were how to harness kind of your mindset to to get a better better focus for the year, and um, my uh, and it's been everything from a couple of guests have been on focusing on entrepreneurialness. And uh, and future things for for work and and life and stuff, but I think we need a little bit of creativity, and uh, we need a touch of uh, that future hopefulness that I, I see in sci-fi. Sometimes it's downward, you know. Sometimes it's kind of negative here and there. But I want some creativity, and I'm a sci-fi fanatic. It's my thing. I love the most. So for my my audience here tonight, for your listening pleasure, I'm bringing on a sci-fi guy, uh, and uh, so. Tristan, I got to say, thank you for being on the show, and I hope that uh, our technology woes don't continue on for microphones as well. So, Thanks for having me on here, John. It's a real pleasure. Oh, thank you. So I'm actually getting messages that I think even the regular radio may have crashed, so we may, you may be taking us, you know, maybe just us talking to a box. Well, so. that's a very uh, postmodern idea that I can uh, get my head around and certainly enjoy. So this is perfect. This is a training episode for everything else, too. Mm-hmm. So we can say whatever you want. Just don't swear because you never know. It may kick back on. Oh, you mean so the FCC has a handle on what we're doing on here? Supposedly, and You're I asking guess. me to be on here? Oh, <laughs> sugar. So uh, thanks to those messaging right in. Um, so 
Uh, so <laughs> apparently some people can hear, some people cannot hear us. I just got a message from, uh, actually, of all people, Aaron Stormo just messaged me right oh, really? now saying computer, the, that the radio may not be actually broadcasting either. So technology. There was a uh, quite of a flood here in the Hungerford, if you didn't hear about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I saw that. I've got so. a few friends who have artist lofts here, and uh, I, I was really sad to see that you know some of them had some troubles there flooding. Uh, I myself had a space here in this building many, many years ago, about 20 years ago. Hmm. Uh, And I know what kind of woes you can be up against when you're in an artist's loft type situation. Hmm. Oh, people are all texting me, me, letting me know. Apparently some folks can hear me. Oh, that's good. So uh, that's good. So I guess we're not, I mean. Yeah. Well, I want to give a shout out to Aaron Stromo. I actually interviewed him and the Emersons just about a week ago for an article I'm writing. Actually, a series of articles I'm writing trying to showcase creative people here in Rochester. Nice. Um, I'm asking interesting questions that go beyond just, you know, what, what's, you know, about their music or their writing. I'm, I'm really interested in process. In particular, I'm interested in the struggles that are behind the scenes of the creative process. You know, for example, if you're a musician and you're actually out there playing music and in mm-hmm. a band, there's a lot more that goes on than just uh, you know drinking beer and and jamming out. There's what? There's, a there's whole, more. Oh, there's 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 dealing with bar owners. There's trying oh, to yeah. keep it together to have a practice space. There's get, there's getting you know f- you know four or five people all on the same page to show up once a week. <laughs> um, that's herding cats. I, I I've heard oh more yeah stories exactly, that, and that's actually. that's actually part of my background. Uh, I've lived in Rochester my whole life. Mm-hmm. My dad was a musician here back in the '70s and '80s. And really? I, oh yeah, he played in um, the Park Avenue band and a couple other bands. Uh, another one called Resurrection. Uh, what one. sort of music was in that? It was know. a lot of like reggae and Grateful Dead covers, oh. Almond Brothers. Uh, I was so trying to picture a young Tristan hanging around with. Uh, it, it was a, it was the it was the hippie scene definitely. Nice. Um, and you know, I kind of grew up in a house that was very uh, illuminated in terms of literature and media. Um, uh, and science fiction was a big part of that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, upbringing. You know, I, I, I gravitated towards films like Dune and oh, and Tron and 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 uh, you know a, a range of progressive and postmodernist media, where the rest of my friends were watching, um, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. I was like, no, check out this movie about this this crazy messiah guy that can like summon worms and ride them you know mm-hmm. let's watch that guys and uh, i didn't really float so well with the with the eight to ten year old crowd back then but that's what i was into um <laughs> you're ahead of the curve back then you're saying i I, I don't know if i was ahead of the curve i think i was um more like a bump in the curve <laughs> <laughs> um and uh you know so Oh, it grew out of that was a love for the genre and the love mm-hmm. for the the postmodernist uh, philosophy that is the undertow of science fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think about it, we don't really get a lot of new genres. We you know, know. A century or more can go can go past before we have a new genre. Mm-hmm. And science fiction emerged. Oh, you know, some people argue it starts with things like Jules Verne and whatnot, but that's still kind of in its proto phase. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't really get to real science fiction until we get to authors like Asimov. Oh, my and, favorite. I, Isaac Asimov, one of my top favorites, also because he also gave, wrote a bunch of books on trivia. <laughs> Just like, no, yeah, yeah, that's that, that's an interesting set of novels, that he, or not novels, but books, books. that he wrote. Um, but even to this day, I'll, I'll, I'll crack open an old Asimov book that I haven't read in a few years and come across some piece of technology that we now take for granted. For example, mm-hmm. in the second of the robot novels, uh, mm-hmm. he describes a checkerboard pattern on the shoulder of every robot that identifies it. Really? That's a QR code. Oh my God! And this was a book that was written in 1956. Yeah, that's um, awesome. 
and now QR codes have kind of you know already are passe even yeah. after just a few years of using them. Well, yeah, it's going to be pass. It's passe for people, but like mm-hmm. you said, the Asimov is going to be right. Like computers, that's a beautiful way of doubt information. Like you know, when we have Google Glasses, whatever that would be, that actually will work in the future. Not that mm-hmm. that actually ever did, but when we have something like that way, it's going to be. Whatever the optic that's picking up needs to scan and read things, uh, barring RFID yeah. read or something else. That, but that's a very likely outcome that we'll see. Um, if you, if you aren't experiencing an augmented reality through something like Google Glasses or whatnot, or um, the new Microsoft Hololens, mm-hmm. if you were to remove that device, what you would see would be a lot of billboards that probably have a, a QR code or some sort of saying "obey." Uh, <laughs> that would be the that would that would definitely underscore. Take the glasses you know, off, right? Saying, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, well, a lot of futurists agree that. Um, uh, you know, we thought virtual reality was going to be the next big thing for a long time, but mm-hmm. it, it, it was one of these ideas that emerged far ahead of the uh, retail ability of that technology to be in the hands of the consumer. But augmented reality is already happening in mm-hmm. some ways. You know, we saw the, the Pokemon Go craze last summer, and there's a few other things in the works. Uh, mm-hmm. The game Ingress, which was the backbone of that. Yeah, which that. spawned from, yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. Um, those are all things that are, uh, you know, potentially coming. And... Mm-hmm. They're exciting in some ways, but they're uh, terrifying in, in more ways, I think. Um, yeah, I, now, are you like, – I'm an optimist, I mm-hmm. guess. That's how I think my lot in life has to be. I have to make mm-hmm. sure – try to be ha- happy here. Um, the uh, – like I, I always look at the uh, alternate – like that enhanced reality as an opportunity. Like I've been working with artists trying to organize an art show for maybe next year. Mm-hmm. That's a, an alternate – like it's like kind of alternate universe scenario, but augmented reality that allows – and you have to really have – going to be a dull warehouse with nothing on it except you need to have a high bit of technology in your hand to do it so i'm always hoping you can use it for positives now do you find yourself are you a would you say realists or what would you be i'm i'm a realist with an eye towards optimism oh that's good Um, i uh i i'm not a real big fan of the dystopian branch of uh of science fiction although i i do i'm you know i love william gibson and books like neuromancer and then and those are you know very clearly dystopian visions blade runner Mm -hmm. is my favorite movie um but you know any technology has an undertow of philosophy that goes into it and Mm -hmm. the tendency is to commercialize and commodify it and that's when we start to run into trouble that's when we started to run into this idea that augmented reality could be a um a force that works against our human, our humanity. Mm-hmm. But all right, the inventor of virtual reality, a, a, a guy by the name of Jaron Lanier, who uh, he's been involved in in the backbone of the internet since its inception. Uh, he co-developed Unix. Um, oh wow! Right. And he invented virtual reality for NASA. And one of uh, one of his anecdotes is that uh, as they were messing around with some of the uh, three dimensional avatars, they 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 ran into a bug that made your arms appear to go off all the way out into the horizon, mm-hmm. and that compelled him to start a new project where he developed a three D avatar of a lobster. And what he was interested to see is can a human mind does does the human mind have enough neuroplasticity to uh, separate itself from the nor- normal quadriplegic mm-hmm. uh, or quadruped system yeah, yeah. to something that actually has six limbs something else yeah yeah, yeah and 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 uh, what he discovered is that yeah we are we have enough neuroplasticity to adapt in that way so I can be doc Ock, you're saying right exactly yeah oh, you can perfect. you know with, with enough with enough with enough input output yes you can and that was an interesting example of how virtual reality can expand the human consciousness mm-hmm. Um 
now we're we're entering a stage where we finally have commercial augment or commercial virtual reality um and we're using it to simulate you know sword fights and uh combat scenarios because that's easy to sell mm-hmm. and that concerns me i'd i'd very much rather see um instances of you know virtual art galleries or um or experiencing nature or what it's like to be an animal, what it's like to be a different person than you are. Hmm. Not necessarily, you know, here's your gun and here's your button that does the reload and here's all the targets you got to hit. You know? But the, the hum- like what makes humans human, that, right. that, that's part. Right, right. yeah. There, you, if, if you can take yourself and put yourself in someone else's sensorium, mm-hmm. that opens up the, the, the idea of empathy. Sensorium. Side note, I, that's an amazing new word. I like, yeah, sensorium. Well, that's you know, that's that's the that's the sphere in which we all exist. Uh, hmm. You know, we are we are what we believe ourselves to perceive, uh, combined with what our memories tell us we have been up until this point. Um, hmm. I've also heard uh, the human experience being described as the standing wavefront, which is sort of borrowed from quantum mechanics. Yeah, quant- yeah, yeah. Um, I like that, and I can definitely subscribe to that. Um, and. We have that, every- one of my favorite things. Side note is that like that that concept, the quantum mecha- mechanics moving forward. Uh, actually, I have a guest possibly coming on uh, a couple months from now. It's going to be talking specifically about like science and you know cognitive powers, what what people are, Ooh. and that. So hopefully, it'll come out. He's a little nervous, so we'll see if it pans out. Well, so. I'd love to meet that person. Yeah. I'm always I'm always interested in meeting scientists. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very. Uh, actually motivated right now to try to write about science in Rochester. Um, Good we, place to do it. We got a lot of science we, in this We now. do. And there's a su- there's surprisingly little coverage in the press around here about hmm. the technology that is coming out of this town. Um, and even if you aren't involved in the technological sphere of Rochester, this is a community that's been drastically affected unfortunately in the last couple of decades negatively by the, mm-hmm. by the outcome of of technology, you know, you know, Kodak really dropped the ball. Xerox is of questionable, uh, you know, st- structure right yeah, now, yeah, and, fa- and we're with- kind of failure to in- innovate. It seems like right, yeah, and and so those are some of those like earmarks of of a of a dystopian uh, reality. Mm-hmm. Um, but to Rochester's credit, we're rising up with a lot of creative people, artists, writers, musicians that just won't take it laying down, nice, and who are very committed to their community. Yeah, that's the reason I'm in this city now. The reason I have stayed and done the show right here is, is a big example. I've never encountered a community so uh, you know eager to help others. And also, some people, the most talented people I've ever seen in their field, gladly helping out a guy just starting out. Whatever it is, they're there to help. They're to cheer on. There's something else. So I think you found a proper city to, to that needs a good vo- uh, voice for it. Well, uh, and someone, especially you, I mean, you're... You're not only just you're well spoken, but you're well written. I mean, you're you're a writer. You have a a flair for describing things in in a way that captivates me. Just watching a bad movie, you'll talk about it and be just describing the scene I just saw and to make it sound like the best novel ever. How you worded it, I'm like that's. Well, I'm, I'm 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 glad because I've paid an awful lot of money to be able to have that kind of <laughs> skill set. Um, well, no, I think I think I do have a certain natural uh, talent for that kind of observation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always looking for the uncanny in things. I'm always looking for the uh, surprising and uh, curious connections that might not otherwise be evident. Um, nice. Like when we when we watched that, um, uh, we were I think we were watching some bad kung fu movie, and we ended up drawing a graph. Yes, that showed um, it was a layout of movies that rated uh, you know kung fu heroes based on um, sort of traditional uh, 
you know, nationalistic values versus uh, their genuine um, charitable natures yeah, yeah, or their yeah, altruistic we, natures. Yeah, and, this spawned American Ninja, I think we right, were watching. Right, right. We were yeah. watching American Ninja yeah. and, and we, were, we were trying to judge where, like, okay, where does the American Ninja lie? And, and it was sort of a vengeance movie. And, yeah. you know, but then there's that series, The the Master from the 70s. That's more altruistic. Here's a yeah, character totally. that, that drifted away from, you know, you know, a ninja must be this and instead is out there doing like you know the the a-team thing out there like you know helping people mm-hmm. and that well that that, go, that goes into like my my genuine optimism of, of science fiction um i'm easily uh you know sometimes the benchmark is are you into star trek or star wars mm-hmm. my my first response is and i'm and i'm gonna i'm gonna lose some readers right here <laughs> my first response is star wars isn't science fiction Oh, so it's fantasy, pretty much. It's so. fantasy. It's 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 fantasy, yeah, yeah. or it's a western. It's a western with telekinesis. True. Um, so I'm definitely a Star Trek person because this actually shows Same. the the sociological impact of science and technology on people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of my formulas is I take a piece of technology mm-hmm. and I lay it before a human being character, and I don't watch the technology. I watch the person. Because it doesn't matter what that little doodad is. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter whether it's a, a holodeck or a, a, a neural jack or a cybernetic implant of some kind. It doesn't matter. What matters is how people respond to it. Um, and uh, so a, a project that I've been working on for quite a while, and in fact, I, I spent some time at Oxford University researching and working on it with some of their creative writing people. Uh, is is a dive into the dystopian sphere with an eye towards how to get out of it. Hmm. It's all kind of come crashing down. Mm-hmm. How do you get out of it? Which is a good good story to know. I mean, that's that's a great path to understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, and and oddly enough, I've actually put that project on pause because of uh, things the way of, they have developed since. Oh, what was it? November seventh was that the day that we all? <laughs> since we actually walked into the dystopian future, right? We were sort of watching it kind of start to unfold, and so I'm I'm kind of hanging back and going, all right, how's how's this going to work out? Okay, and because um, I always feel it's important to take notes from the real world. Yeah, it, it tends a little more believability, and plus, you have contingencies. If things go wrong, like I've thought of this, yeah, right? yeah so, you know. And then perfect. there's things I didn't think of, um, uh, you know, little things from. Um, oh, you know, I've been thinking about Trump's handshake lately. His his weird little handshake oh, yeah. uh, fetish. And I do, he's watching the Japanese uh, right, and the eye roll, and he yeah. pulls the guy towards him, and like, and I'm, and and you know. You know, it might be odd to bring that up in terms of science fiction, but that's there, there's mm-hmm. something there's something about that gesture coming from the leader of the free world that that spins my mind towards all these other like, oh, okay, I can see how this guy is going to react to things, and um, you know, just, you know, are we going to see selfies with him with the nuclear football on Twitter? You know, hey, check it out, I can blow up the world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we did have a, a, a listener just message in that Trudeau beat his handshake today. I saw that, and so, as yeah. I'm actually a dual citizen of Canada and uh, America, so you can get out quick. I oh. can, but I'm I'm choosing to stay for now. Thank you, thank you. Um, if not, uh, buy some but, very big luggage, just so uh, you know, so we can hide a very large guy, maybe. Oh sure, sure, so, yeah, just in I'll, case. Uh, yeah, you know, or maybe we can uh, come up with some sort of like uh, matter space time inversion thing where I can compress you into like a, a phantom pocket universe and just sort of bring you in with yeah, me and then like br- and then bring you up on, with an app on my phone and you just kind of like <laughs> spring forth from the, the speaker or something. Oof. 
Totally. Uh, but no, Ch- Justin Trudeau. Uh, I'm, I'm really as a as a Canadian. I'm 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 happy that he. Can, represents can you uh, describe to the uh, the listening audience? Actually, side note, I need to do a call. I get yelled at enough for this. But you're listening to WRFZ LP Rochester, Rochester Free Radio, and RochesterFreeRadio.com. Those who are tuning in online, apparently you can get online again now. Uh, this is the Mind of Magnus, and my guest tonight is Tristan Tomaselli. Uh, and uh, we're talking uh, sci-fi, cool stuff. And please go on. I like to have a the uh, the writer describe uh, what happened today with uh, Trudeau. And uh, how, how how would you write this scene? Out here? How would I write the scene? Well, first, I'd have to give the backdrop of of Trump's uh, interaction with with uh, the Japanese Prime Minister, and that you know there was this extended, long handshake where he he does this thing where he keeps pulling the person mm-hmm. closer to them, like literally jerking their arm. And you know when 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 the when um, when the Japanese prime minister finally got his appendage back, he actually rolled his eyes for a minute. Yeah. Now, Justin Trudeau, perhaps seeing this, you know, go viral over the last couple of days, resisted and did not allow Trump to pull his hand closer. <laughs> um, I love the photo I see, like the yeah. hand out and Trudeau is kind of staring like, at like, it. Eh, yeah. I don't know about this. And, and that's a that's a that's a good image that shows sort of like the difference between the progressive mindset and mm-hmm. the uh neoconservative alt-right perspective that I think is, um, well, quite frankly, I think is damaging to our society. Um, I have nothing against conservative people, mm-hmm. uh, but I think I think there's a, a tremendous amount of inertia behind people that side with that philosophy who also feel very mm-hmm. displaced and, and disenfranchised. I agree. I, I, yeah. I think we, uh, I mean, I'm not a big fan of uh, uh, the, you know, kind of bipartisan mindset anyway. And it's hard. Like, I'm one of the people that tries to, you know, move forward, kind of mm-hmm. focus and see what around me I can do to improve and myself. And whatever those ripples move out, I kind of I am, you yeah. know, uh, my actions are kind of ends up that way. But yeah. uh, I see um, see that a lot of the uh, kind of so conservatives now I've been kind of interacting with are reacting in a in odd like it's, it's their time now way. And well- I, I can I can appreciate that. Yeah. I can remember when Obama was first uh, inaugurated. You know, I think I and other progressives and other liberals felt it was our time. Mm-hmm. Um, I can remember at the time I was working uh, with a guy who was a fanatic for things like uh, Sean Hannity and mm. Michael Savage, and I would have to sit through four hours of conservative talk radio every night at the job. And when when Obama got elected, I felt empowered to tell him, "I don't want to listen to this anymore." <laughs> um, My guys didn't yeah, know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but you know. Something that kind of tangential that comes to mind is um, you know, there's, a, there's a huge progressive mindset in Silicon Valley mm-hmm. that is always looking towards how do we, you know, the, the, the sort of cheesy tagline is, you know, to make the world a better place. Um, and it's funny how many of those things blow up in our face. Mm-hmm. Social media being a, a prime example of how we, we have this fluid, constant communication medium that is almost universally across the board making people depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, that's a really curious phenomenon, and there are there were there were futurists back in the '90s, people like Are You Serious, who was the former editor of Mondo 2000, who were big advocates of of things like you know message boards and early you know proto forms of social media, who are now sort of recanting, saying, "Yeah, we didn't see any of this coming, and this is now just turning into this weird social experiment." Um, and unfortunately, it's because people it's, always mess stuff up, don't we? Oh boy, oh boy, we, we're we're really good at, at doing that, um, especially when there's a buck involved. Mm-hmm. You know, but hey, that's why I like Star Trek. There's no money. That's now, the reason I, I'm a Star Trek fan. Yeah. If, if that that's my my future 
Like, you know, it never can reach that because we're humans, unfortunately. You need uh, Vulcans and a bunch of other species telling us how to not be human to really make us grasp how yeah. not to. Like, I just want them to reveal how how their society managed to remove uh, economic uh, motivations. The, um, and what's the one? There's an episode. We actually had uh, one of the guests I had on before uh, was a huge sci-fi fanatic. And we ended up having a, a three-hour conversation about you know, Star Trek and that. And uh, they mentioned that at one point, I think uh, Picard in one of the movies mentions once once they had like uh, the the concept of space and be able to travel, it just faded away. It mm-hmm. was like, that's sounds nice. I, yeah. But unfortunately, we're humans. It, so like if they had said, well, we got teleporters, uh, you know, food replicators and a holodeck now, you don't need anything. It, it made money obsolete. I, I believe that just fine. I can see that way. But unfortunately, Star Trek the first couple of years didn't, didn't have replicators, didn't have holodecks, so... Yeah, know. so somehow they managed to, you know, magically remove themselves from economic motivations. There is a good uh, novel out there that gives us an, uh, uh, an inclination towards that, and it would be... Uh, the author's name is Neil Stevenson, who's quite mm-hmm. popular, um, and he wrote a book called The Diamond Age, um, uh, which is a pretty lengthy tome to get through, um, and it's very it's very dense, uh, but it's all about nanotechnology. And hmm. everybody in this world has a basic level of, su- of, of sustainability because nanotechnology can provide, you know, it, it's sort of a, a stopgap between, you know, mm-hmm. uh, having a replicator. So people were able to say, okay, I have no money or income, but I at least can go to a kiosk and it'll spit out like carrots and potatoes and yeah. and and clothing. Basics covered. Just yeah. basics covered, right? Exactly. Um, uh, so that's that. I think that's an interesting you know possibility. Nanotechnology is one of those uh, technologies that you know we have a little bit of here in Rochester. Yeah. Um, we actually just had a, a writer, a listener, message in Kelly. Uh, he's like, "Do you think Star Trek?" How they say it? Uh, they just the news about that a giant meteorite or meteor and uh, like ten trillion you know dollars worth of metal like so, something could break an economy. They're talking about going to visit a a, a meteor or uh, an ast- asteroid in space, something else. And uh, did you see the news about that? About well, their- I I, had, I don't think I've seen this particular article, oh, the, but I'm, I'm now fascinated. You by said it. The, um, so. Kelly is saying uh, that uh, so the the news is that uh, and I actually saw it myself. Uh, NASA is going to go inspect a giant a- uh, asteroid that is ten trillion dollars worth of metal, something else. And the the headline for it was a enough enough resources to break the economy. So her she's saying is like, do you think that once we got into space, realize money was stupid if we can get all resources? Like you you like the single asteroid is ten trillion dollars worth of metal. Does that not suddenly make an economy based on cash pointless? I certainly think it has the potential to, hmm. um, but like any application of technology, much of it hinges on the philosophical background in which we apply it, um, and unfortunately, that is still motivated primarily by uh, income going to a smaller percentage. Um, you know, NASA is is struggling, I, and I know people that work for NASA uh, that are almost effectively part time employees because as as much as 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 NASA can afford to pay them. Or to mm. keep them around, um, you know. And then there's you know the other thought, which is well, we'll just go to another planet and ruin that too. Um, but I think I, I honestly believe, and this is maybe my optimism speaking, that it, if if we can pull it together to do something like get to Mars, mm-hmm. or or mine an asteroid with that much you know natural resources available to it, that 
the the challenges between here and there would require us to become a more altruistic species. Hmm. Um, and I, I you know we, we're just not going to get there otherwise um, because there is no bottom line to getting to Mars mm-hmm. uh, that works out on a spreadsheet. It's just there to do because it's the beautiful side of human nature to do so. I hope so. That's what I the the part of humanity that I love the most, one of the most amazing species that 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 opportunity, the ability to do this, the you know, for all we know, the only species in the known universe that can do these sort of things. Mm. We have the potential to do this. Yeah. So um, so yeah, the, uh, the link she sent again. Thanks for this, Kelly. Uh, asteroid could cause the world's economy to collapse. Oh, was thank you for that, Kelly. Yeah. I'm very much looking forward to reading that. Yeah, I'll, I'll post it on the uh, our Facebook page too. NASA plans to explore a ten thousand quadrillion ast- dollar asteroid that could cause the world's economy to collapse. So, well, that's an auspicious saying. way to, to to call it. You know, a, yeah, the, the, uh, the collapse of a com- of an economy isn't necessarily. Uh, a good thing. Um, I would hope that we could replace it with humanity, and and just you know, being kind to one another. You know, one of the things I explore in in, in the novel I'm writing, which is uh, about uh, cyborgs that start a labor revolt. And I don't want to get mm-hmm. too much into it because it's still a work in progress. Is that there's this separation between um, standard humans of a blue collar set of cybernetically augmented humans and then sort of a an aristocratic set of cyborgs that augment themselves for vanity or for ad- advantages um and this goes into a, a philosophy known as transhumanism or sometimes just called h plus for short mm-hmm. and it's kind of a frightening subculture um they have their own political uh parties um these are people that very much want to separate themselves from the rest of the human race and that that really concerns me i I, i'm very much concerned in the ways that technology could cause us to have lower class individuals um Mm -hmm. zuckerberg's project to bring the internet to third world countries is a is a real it, it has all of the appearances of being a benefit but in reality, what he's doing is he's putting all of those users in a particular box called Facebook, mm-hmm. which is effectively what China and North Korea do with their version of the Internet. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was recently revealed that, uh, that the DNS walls that blocked North Korea off from the rest of the Internet briefly were open. Mm-hmm. This is about a year ago. And some Redditors noticed it because they're, you know, Redditors yeah. are freaks and they're just constantly <laughs> like obsessive compulsive about looking at these little things. And they managed to you know, do some DNS lookups of North Korea and discovered that they only had like 11 websites. That's right. Yeah. And so, and so that's the, those are the kind of boxes I'm concerned about being people separated in. So, mm-hmm. okay, so we get this big asteroid. It's all about what we do with it. Do we, do we, you know, turn that into renewable energy? Do we turn that into housing? Do we, do we turn it into food? I mean, you can, it's all matter and, and we can turn it into whatever we want. Mm-hmm. What do we turn it into? Or do we just turn it into, you know, Trump Tower 54, you know, what, what do we I think do it's depending it? who gets there first, right? Right. That's, that's yeah. usually unfortunate the way nature, human nature, excuse me. Right. Yeah. So. And, and Western culture doesn't have a good track record of doing the right thing with whatever we get to first. <laughs> so I'm going to take a quick break here uh, just because I've had about a dozen people ask me if I'm getting to the trivia question for the night. Uh, as, as I mentioned, the first part of the show, I uh, 
like to learn random things. You know, my Facebook, I always have my Factoid Fridays. That's oh, one of the, my favorite parts of Friday. Oh, thank you. That's awesome. I, I hear that a lot. I should do more with it, but I'm also lazy and like, I do it for myself, really. Uh, so, uh, I, on this show, I ask uh, trivia questions and it's usually roster based trivia questions. So it's very much, if you know it, awesome. But I usually, most people don't get it. Uh, but it's for the audience listeners and, um, uh, and for you as, uh, you as well, I'll ask you the question and you have all the rest of the show to listen. So another 20 minutes or so to figure out what to do next. Uh, I will answer the question. If you get it right, you get some meatballs and beer with me at Skylark. Uh, first person to message in the right answer also gets to join me for a meatballs and beer. Actually been doing pretty good. We've been having a hangout with like random listeners now or like they've been winning and showing up and having meatball and beer. So to make everyone happy, since uh, thanks to all those who've been messaging me asking about the trivia question, uh, here you go. So uh, since you're an author, I want to do some sort of question that's like, you know, authors from the area and stuff, too. Uh, so this is one for you. Uh, Brighton born Richard Ben Kramer. He's an author who published books on like biographies of like George Bush, Joe DiMaggio, did some other, you know, fictional stuff. But he's mostly known for like biographies and things. Uh, but he also gained national attention with his in-depth look at. Excuse me. At some mysterious events around a rock and roll singer, he dubbed the killer. So who was this singer? Now, I'll give you some. Uh, if you happen to know the answer to this, you can guess first if you want. I have multiple choice. I, but if you want to. I have a guess. OK. Um, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. That's your guess. OK. So let's. Uh, the Great Balls of Fire. Am I yeah, getting yeah, OK. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually guess. you want to then. Uh, this is awesome. then. so the, I'll actually give you for the audience too. let's say. uh well, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, that's your your first and first guest. So, uh, you may help because he's actually in one of the multiple choice things. Oh, so, so you yeah, made it right. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, was it, uh, A. Gene Autry? Uh, he said he, uh, it killed his first manager. Was the thing. <laughs> uh, it was B. Jerry Lee Lewis. Uh, Kramer alleged, uh, Lewis had killed his, his wife. And, uh, then he published, uh, actually it was in Time Magazine, some other stuff. He wrote an article about it. Was it, uh, C. John Lennon, who, uh, he said he killed a fan in a cult event by accident? Oh, I want to hear the story about that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Or was it D. Freddie Mercury, who said that Freddie Mercury assisted a boyfriend in killing one of his, that boyfriend's past lover, which he didn't like anyway because he killed one of Freddie Mercury's cats? Oh, I'm not good. I can't believe that happened. I, yeah. I just know I, I can't believe that Freddie Mercury would do that. He's too cool. Yeah, exactly. Freddie Mercury's too rising. But that's with the A, B, C, or D. And you guessed letter B. So we'll see. We have 20 minutes. You guys have, uh, since you pulled it out pretty good, it, you know, seems like it may be the answer. So, uh, but uh, yeah, so A, B, C, or D. If anyone wants to message in and uh, the guest says Jerry Lee Lewis without even having the prompt. So that's awesome. And, uh, that's right. Now, did you know the uh, the author, the name? I've heard the name. Um, and uh, <laughs> my therapist actually mentioned him to me about a week ago. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there you go, Radio <laughs> Land. I go to therapy. It's good to go to therapy. Oh, <laughs> well, as a science fiction writer, it's absolutely necessary. <laughs> I, I have, uh, yeah, I, one of the best things you can do is to find someone to talk to you that knows how to help you, like getting the stuff out of the brain. We're a dynamic creature. We have a brain that's just a zillion connections. It's just doing its own little thing. So having someone trained in understanding of how to, get itself out of the nature of brain will mm. do when it's getting kind of squirrely. So I'm a big proponent. If someone goes, I, I, that's not a negative thing. If you go to therapy, awesome. I, yeah. I utilize this. We have people that are very knowledgeable people that are there to make you better and help. It, so. it kind of comes down to what I think of it as the Godel incompleteness theorem mm. applies to more than just mathematical models. Uh, now, do, you want, do you want to explain that? to? Well, the, the general theory is that um, a system cannot describe itself hmm. from within inside the system now yeah. it's it's much more complex than that yeah, I, I was, and i can i can literally feel like the 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 science 
the hardcore science buffs out there just cringing <laughs> with this like you know kind of pop culture sim- you know simplification of that but it, that's what it comes down to is that a human being is a system mm-hmm. um, and we interact with other systems and we, we're part of a larger system and when you try to examine yourself it's it's this you know hall of mirrors mm-hmm. yeah, you, you, you can never the machine can never uh, dissect itself from being inside the machine that's, that's pretty much exactly that goes, that's yeah, so. that's that's the gist of it um, you know Godel was a mathematician that worked closely with people like Einstein mm-hmm. um, in fact they used to like to go to walks together uh, around uh, the MIT campus oh man that sounds amazing yeah like, I just want to be a pigeon flying around because I can never keep up with them so I just want to listen in on I guess yeah what if they were talking about like beer and football wouldn't that be disappointing yeah, I'd be fine with it like, <laughs> it'd be nice to see they could do it I mean I was curious because I mean Einstein was proponent for talking to yourself he's always would say you know to talk to yourself get the words out help formulate the thought into tangible words and sentences so oh, I'm, I'm an avid self talker mm-hmm. um, in fact one of my favorite things about the development of the cell phone is that it is now perfectly socially acceptable to talk to yourself as long as you have a black <laughs> rectangle in up your, your ear or or if you have like one of those bluetooth, bluetooth. things and that you can just and no one's gonna care and so i used to chuckle when i worked downtown i was I always wanted to find those old bluetoothers give them to the crazy homeless people and then right. everyone would be fine everyone's right. like you yeah. just talking to someone yeah. very animatedly yeah yeah so by the way we're getting some messages uh bill shifferly says hi hey, hey right. bill what's up so. He was on your show last week, right? Yeah, he was. Yeah. yeah, that guy's showing us all up with his health kick right now. He's oh, just being boy. awesome. He's, he'll, you know, he's got he's yeah. got the homeless look for him, so he's being healthy, but looks like a homeless, yeah. scary but guy. He's doing so. good with it, you know. He's, uh, you know, clean living. Uh, he just built this really awesome uh, arcade, like homemade arcade cabinet mm-hmm. for what looks like a Street Fighter style video game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all the buttons. You know, so good job, Bill. That's looking really good. Nice. Well, say hi, Ben. Yeah, so if you want to listen to uh, Bill's show, that's actually on. Uh, go to. Uh, uh, archive.org if you want to find uh, Bill's show. I think it was number 33 last week. So Yeah, I've known uh, that guy forever. He's a cool dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you're equally cool, just so you know. Just so oh, you need to have a t- title here. <laughs> um, so we're coming in about 15 minutes left on this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, we've. Uh, I, I, this has been enjoyable because I like that you have your the, the path out of dystopia is kind mm-hmm. of a, a thought process. Uh, now you've been in Rochester all you know all your life. My whole life. And I wasn't born here. I was born in Los Angeles, where my parents met. Hmm. Um, but my dad was from here. So shortly after I was born, they moved back here. Gotcha. So just just get enough of the sunlight and and in warm, nice LA. Yeah, yeah about about, about three months yeah. <laughs> before oh, my wow. parents moved back here. Uh, but yeah, I've lived here my whole life. Um, uh, and that that's you know I think we've all asked ourselves you know sometimes like oh what do we what do we doing here mm-hmm. but that question is becoming more and more uh a real pessimistic question because we're really building a community here we're, we're like things over the last 10 years have changed in terms of local counterculture local mm-hmm. art music um and i want to see it spread i want to see that spread beyond just the southwest hemisphere of our mm-hmm. town i want to see it cross the river i want to see it hit charlotte i want to see it you know, now do you think how okay the question yeah. is the how do you think my listeners, how can these listeners, people who are listening, all four of them that listen to my show, <laughs> uh, what would they, uh, what can we do to make uh, this this happen? What can make, you know, change these things? Participate, make stuff, get it out there. Nice. And that, well, that's the tricky part. But I think another thing that we can really do is help each other get it out there. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still at the beginning of my writing career. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still a student. Um, and I, you know, don't have a whole lot of bylines to my name. And, and what we really need is for uh people to help each other get 
their material out there, whether it's a, a song or a story or a painting or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know, we got a network, which mm-hmm. is your which is your thing. I enjoyed networking. Yeah, and so um, uh, anybody that wants to uh, you know publish me, please call in. Yeah. Well, <laughs> now, so if someone wants to reach out to you and they want to learn more about you, I always like myself. I I didn't give the call out this episode here, but I always like my, I'm on Twitter. I um, mean, mm-hmm. there's, there's ways of finding me. Magnus Apollo is I use it for everything. So. Now, if someone wants to reach out to uh, Tristan here, now what they, I mean, you're on Twitter, right? I am. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm T. Tristan Martin on, okay. on Twitter. Uh, Martin is my middle name. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you go by it? I, I called you Thomas. Do I have, should it be Thomas Martin? Thomas Ellen? Uh, uh, Tristan Martin Thomas Ellen? I, I, I figure if I ever get published, uh, like a novel published, I'd go by Tristan Martin Thomas Ellen. It sounds um, great. I just realized, and yeah. the whole start of this, I'm like, I don't know if I should, I should have asked before I got it oh, going. Oh, that's fine. So. That's fine. Um, uh, Tristan.Thomaselli at gmail.com. I'm kind of, I'm, my, my social media footprint's a little half baked right now. I do, mm-hmm. I do have a website that I'm, it's not ready, mm-hmm. um, but it will be soon. It's cyborgproverbs.com. I love that. That's um, awesome. And, uh, it's a, it's a, a series of musings and little flash fiction pieces. Um, uh, I even brought a couple along with me. Um, uh, you can so once that website is up and running, you can email anything at cyborgproverbs dot com and it'll nice. get to me because I'm the only guy at that website. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well that's awesome. I, I'd love to have you know. So if, you know, people want to publish you, let them know. But also, uh, like you were work- mentioning the first part of the show, you were talking, you were working with uh, uh, Aaron Stormo and the Emersons and that. Uh, if someone has a like, you're looking f- if someone has something else they're doing and they want to have you come along to help get their messages out or just you know. Document it. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you'd be remarkable. I imagine how you you must document things. I'd, uh, so if they have that, can they reach out to you to say? Yeah, hey, absolutely. Hey, I'm, I'm definitely very interested in talking to people that are active and have have got some you know credit to their name in the local scene, mm-hmm. uh, artistically, creatively. I want to see how they tick. I want to see how their process works. Mm-hmm. I want to see what challenges you know make them bang their heads against the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a it's a struggle, and and I want mm-hmm. to talk to artists about more than just what they do. I want to talk to them about how they do it. That's awesome. And how they overcome those challenges. That's a beautiful thing. It, it, like it's something that I mean, beneficial for anyone walking that path down the mm-hmm. road, and also need to see how it's being done. To, but you know, just for our own, like for the scientific reason, mm-hmm. you know, understanding like how this person got over living in this excuse me this era yeah. and this thing that way. So, so I have a question for you. Oh, do I have? Do I have? Do I have time to read a three-minute story? You have time to read a three-minute Of course you do. All right. So this is uh, a genre called flash fiction. Flash uh, fiction. I love it. But the idea is it's just real short. Mm-hmm. You just try to get through it. Mm-hmm. And does, so, does this have a set to- uh, set uh, word number or is it just flash? No, or, just, okay. just short fiction. Okay. You know, this is just three paragraphs. And um, a little-known fact about science fiction is that the real core element of science fiction is absurdity. <laughs> nice. So... Uh, comedy is a big part of it. So this is this is a brief little uh, sh- flash fiction story I wrote called The Red Phone. Located in the mag- majestic Commonwealth of Kentucky, not far from Godman Air Force Base, lies the famous Fort Knox, where according to legend, the most important gold in the world is kept. It is special gold, American gold, the most proud gold in the world. What is less known about Fort Knox is the more disturbing and horrifying secret it kept, even from itself. Approximately 100 feet from the famous Bullion Depository building, embedded in the wide, fenced-in field of bluegrass, was an ordinary, everyday rock. Underneath this rock was an unremarkable grub, a potato bug, currently curled up into a torus. 
But if you were to slice open this potato bug, you would find a shimmering yet wholly unremarkable diamond, not even a sixteenth of a carat. But if you were to place this diamond in the path of a xenon laser oscillating at 700 megahertz, aimed at a properly configured target of magnetic medium, a string of binary digits could be detected. If this string were recorded and compiled into an executable program, the user of this program would be exposed to the full library of secrets which bind the universe as a whole and cohesive system, and then drop dead. Following a rainstorm, the potato bug curled itself back into a semicylinder and vacated the flooded district underneath the rock. A transient starling ate the potato bug seconds after it was exposed. Sensing it had sufficient energy to take flight, it did so, and was promptly absorbed into the starboard nacelle of a passing jetliner. Inside the passenger area of the aircraft, the president's red phone rang. <laughs> the end. Awesome. Well done. Applause, <laughs> applause, you. applause. I actually was looking for an audio file to actually have some applause on this, but unfortunately <laughs> that is also down, I think, today. Uh, well done. That is uh, beautiful. I, Thank you very much. Thank done. you very much. Yeah, it it kind of sort of demonstrates the absurdity of technology and the interconnected of the interconnectedness of things. And, and uh, oh, uh, you know, authors like Vonnegut were really good at kind of like demonstrating those uncanny connections. Mm. <laughs> um, I, I am a believer in coincidence. You said the uncanny. Mm. I, I love the uncanny. It's yeah. what, uh, there was, um, what's the author? Um, uh, I'm drawing a blank right now. It's in my brain. Uh, Andrew Clavon, Clavin, I think he did a whole uh, book on called The Uncanny. And mm-hmm. he's a, the, the thing is, as the universe is always flowing around, when things start appearing around, like a, a certain number start appearing around you, something else, like seem like you start noticing a certain thing over and over again. It means that the universe is always circles are lining up that allowing for whatever the, the, the equation that makes the universe happen, they're all the equations lining up for something's going to happen. So he's called the uncanny, and I was stuck with that. So uh, the, the uncanny is actually a, a primary component of, of uh, gothic fiction, which um, in, from if I can maybe put on my academic hat for a minute, the mm-hmm. gothic genre um, is a close-related cousin to science fiction, and mm-hmm. uh, the uncanny is a real essential component to that. And uh, anyone that's interested in learning more, um, Sigmund Freud wrote a fantastic paper about the uncanny that has nothing to do with psychology because it's totally wrong. Yeah, but it works out great when you apply it to literature. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow, Freud. That's, I have to check that one out. Oh man. Uh, now, is, out of curiosity, is that available online? Or is this oh yeah, yeah. Okay. It's that's it's an easy one to find if you just Google. Sigmund Freud, the uncanny, you'll, you'll find it easy enough. Well, now I have a reading yeah. list for this week. Awesome. That's so cool. Um, so it, now how can we, uh, uh, we were talking before actually about, uh, um, oh, actually, so that was actually, I wanted to actually point this out. That was a very good job reading that. You, oh, thank you. Like, well done performing that. Do you read your pieces Mm-hmm. Uh, out, you know, oh, re- reading out, reading your own work out loud, I think, is a real essential part of the writing process. Mm-hmm. Um, because as you read it out loud, you'll realize, oh, I, I've, I'm, I've got a superfluous, you know, adjective, or, or, or maybe I've used the same word twice in two sentences. That makes sense. Like, um, the, like the idea of talking to yourself, yeah. you get an idea formulates it into a real a structure. Like if you're saying it out loud, and it, obviously if it sounds poorly being read aloud that means it's not it doesn't translate well right the, the piece itself isn't, isn't right sound, right so. um and uh, it's also very vital for writers to work with other writers and read your work to each other mm-hmm. um, i'm part of a group that meets every week uh nice. sundays we usually meet at lux and if we can pry ourselves away from the beer for a minute we actually get some writing done <laughs> and then we uh read what we've written to each other and that's a great way to find your mistakes it's easy to know when you're good 
it's really hard to know when you're bad. <laughs> that's that's uh, you're like I, me. I, my, you my default setting. I'm. Always, I assume I'm bad, and I'm always. Let, I can let let know when it's not bad. It's always nice. Well, I'm I, always like, yeah, I, you know, I, I I should hope that I'm a good writer. I've worked really hard at becoming a good writer for many mm-hmm. years now. It's it's when I'm it's when I'm screwing up that I really need like you know that that kind of feedback. Like, mm-hmm. you know, go ahead, tell me. Yeah, that sucks. Oh, okay, good, thanks. It's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> we had a person message is a creatives and cocktails. Yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My good friend Rachel Levy uh, put together the group. She writes for the Empty Closet and. Uh, oh, um, she uh, put together the group, and we we come together once a week and just try to have fun and 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 make each other better writers. Nice, that's perfect to do it. Uh, I I'm a big proponent of having working in groups. I am a better like I I'm not a great artist, but I doodle a lot. And my the art that I think things I create is better because I've been around other artists, like people that I trust, people that I, I appreciate their work, so their opinion carries a little more weight to it. You know, anyone mm-hmm. can give their opinion, but Someone that's, you know, also creating, like you said, being around other writers, you guys have a similar brain. You understand what may be a certain hang up and they've worked through problems you may have encountered before. Well, rarely do we come across the singular artistic genius. Um, Mm -hmm. Most epochs of of true creative ingenuity come from groups, uh, you know, like the beat authors Mm -hmm. or the expressionists or um, or or, uh, you know, uh, little groups of musicians, uh, bands that are always working together with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, Brit- you know, the British Invasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are people that all knew each other and helped each other out and helped each other refine their craft. It's the, the, the Mozarts and the Picassos of the world are really rare. And uh, quite frankly, I think genius is overrated. <laughs> <laughs> I think inspiration is overrated. I think, qu- I think quantity beats quality hands down hmm. because you will eventually, I mean, mathematically, you will eventually it's a numbers get, game. Yeah, it's yeah. a numbers game. You eventually will, you know, find a diamond in the rough of all the crap that you put down. <laughs> well, I tell people yeah. when I take photos, yeah. if I take, uh, if one in a hundred photos are, are good, if I take a thousand photos, that's 10 good photos. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. So, but we're coming up at the end of the show and I want to get to the uh, trivia question. People are asking it. So I want to ask the question again. Uh, to those who may not have heard it, but uh, so Brighton born Richard Ben Kramer, an author who published books on biography like George Bush and Joe DiMaggio, also gained national attention, national attention, can't speak all of a sudden, national attention for his in-depth look at some mysterious events surrounding a rock and roll singer he dubbed the killer. So who was that singer? Now, uh, we had the A, Gene Autry, B, Jerry Lee Lewis, C, John Lennon and D, Freddie Mercury. Uh, Dan wrote in and uh, he said Gene Autry isn't even a rock and roll singer. You're not even trying. <laughs> and I did that purposely. Thank you. Uh, we had uh, Joshua mentioned and says it's not John Lennon because he wouldn't kill anyone, but he probably beat the hell out of them. <laughs> so the person <laughs> yeah, knows that one. That. Exactly. A lot of people, of course, says it's obviously not Freddie Mercury because he was an amazing godlike person who would never harm and, and anything. I, and I can't help but agree. Exactly. I'm the same thing. I put the, exactly yeah. that's instant a no on that one. And you, uh, you actually had already guessed Jerry Lee Lewis beforehand. So congratulations. You have won. Woo! Yay. All right. Yay. So cool. Um, and actually, a bunch of people had messaged in the moment you said Jerry Lee Lewis like that man is right so uh, actually Dan uh, Daniel is the guy who is actually joining me for uh, meatballs and, and beer at Skylark here too so as you you have meatballs and beer on me one of these awesome. nights awesome I'm, gl- I'm looking forward to I've, you know I've never actually been to Skylark yet oh, I love Skylark so- I don't think they even know I do this I've been doing this for a year and I don't think I've ever told uh, a Herman Herman yeah, yeah. you know like by the way I always I mention your show every week I just yeah. like because I come here I chill there it's I place I go so. I, you know I feel bad I've known Herman forever since mm-hmm. the bug jar days and I have yet to be 
at his joint. And I really ought to change that soon. Yeah, we'll go. You join me. That'd cool. Be fun. All right. Sounds great. And uh, Dan, hopefully, will join us too, or someone else. But if you guys want to join me, you guys uh, can definitely uh, message me. Say hi. My uh, Twitter handle is Magnus Apollo. Uh, if you want to write to, the, write to the show, it's mindofmagnus at gmail.com. Uh, we're coming up at the end of the show here. I want to thank Tristan for joining me. Do you have a fun time? I was, had a great time. Thank yeah. you very much. Oh, thanks uh, for being there. I, yeah. I, I, you know, like hearing the sound of my own voice. So, uh, this has been a good opportunity to stroke my 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 ego. Perfect. Well, I'm glad I could help. Wait, I'll stop that sentence before I get too far into it. Uh, so thanks again for listening. So uh, if people want to follow you, find you, uh, Tristan Tomaselli, uh, Tomaselli, right? Mm-hmm. T O M A S E L L I. Or awesome. you can find me on Twitter, T Tristan Martin. And uh, eventually, I will have my website, cyborgproverbs.com, running. Nice. Awesome. Well, thanks again for listening, folks. Uh, this I'll be coming back next week. Uh, Sarah was my guest for tonight. Unfortunately, she had the flu has taken out, I think, your son and mom and everything else. So thanks to those who messaged in, wishing her well wishes. I'll pass those notes along to her. Uh, and I want to thank my guests for being on here. But thanks again to everyone who messaged me this past week. I've been enjoying it. Uh, I love all the ideas. I've had some great guests lined up from it. And uh, But I want to reach out to uh, everyone here to keep going, keep being strong, keep make awesome things happen. Uh, we can't do it alone. And uh, thank, hopefully listening to folks like Tristan here has inspired me and helped inspired you to get out there and be creative. Network. Do your stuff. Make things. Find people that are making things. Be close together do all the fun stuff so absolutely awesome so thanks again for joining me i'll see you guys next week i uh, hope everyone has a great valentine's day if you are without anyone on valentine's day fine because it's kind of one of those made up holidays anyway uh do awesome things all year round that's what i do so up next is dave and if you're listening to me on friday up next is amber who is an amazing person as well so thanks guys for listening and i will see you guys all next week as i drop stuff and bye <laughs>